Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for March 30th, 2022. Man, this year is flying by. Like I say that every week, but it's true. It's true every week. So anyway, uh, just a quick reminder, everybody, if you're looking for the DC books, go check them out on the DC Spotlight yesterday, except for War for Earth 3, number two, which we did a separate individual spotlight for. Uh, but the rest of the DC books are in the DC spotlight. There are spoilers, so forewarned is forearmed, as opposed to our new Comics Wednesday episodes, which are uh, always spoiler-free. Just talk in general about the books that we've had a chance to read already, and then we'll give a rundown on some other books you might want to be able to look out for. And last thing I'll mention before we dive in, because we've got quite a few books to cover, is I had an awesome chat with J.M. DeMatteis, uh, currently writing the uh, Ben Riley series was part of uh, the the team that brought us clone the clone saga back in the day. Uh, he's written so many fantastic things. Justice League International, you know the the Boahaha era with Keith Giffen and Kevin Guire that he's known for. Just a fantastic creator, really thoughtful, and we had a crazy in depth interview with philosophical questions about comics and fear and identity and. Uh, it was awesome. I really loved it. And a lot of people have been listening and enjoying how deep we went. So go check it out. Episode dropped on Monday if you are so inclined. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the books that uh, we read this week. First one from uh, where am I at here? First one from Marvel. Uh, Silver Surfer Rebirth number three. This is from the classic team of Ron Mars and Ron Lim, who brought us many Silver Surfer Avengers back in the day. Don Ho handles the inks. Isria Silva is on colors. Joe Sabino on letters. So we saw last issue that Silver Surfer and Thanos were sort of teaming up to try to figure out what exactly was going on because they both seemed to have been like tossed through time or through the Marvel multiverse in some way. Things are not, uh, the reality is not what they're used to it being. So in this context, they're trying to, to figure out where they are, who they are, what their roles are. Like, it, it seems like they're, it's almost like the clock has been turned back. You'd almost think that um, they've been thrown into the past, except things aren't, they don't seem like they are in the past necessarily. Things are different. Like in the very first issue, we saw that Captain Marvel is still alive. So it's not just a simple case of them having been thrown into the past. So what's going on, how they're being manipulated, all that uh, is actually revealed at the end of this issue um, in, a, in a much different way than I expected. 
the, the big bad is not someone who I expected it to be, but what's going on is, is in a way much bigger, but also much more intimate than, uh, than you might've guessed. So I thought it was fantastic. I think what Ron Mars is doing and it's a little bit nostalgia, especially with the Ron Lamart, but it's also very silver surfer. You know, it ties in with the feel and the tone of the run that he and Ron Lim had um, really, really well. And even the narrative in the story, it ties in with that era of Silver Surfer really, really well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I know that run is beloved, so I'm sure there's a lot of people that are digging this as well. I mean, it's just fantastic to see Ron Lim drawing Silver Surfer and Thanos and Galactus again. It's just it's a it's a lot of fun. So. Uh, okay, next book that I will mention is Miles Morales' Spider-Man. This is from writer Saladin Ahmed. Christopher Allen is the penciler. Christopher Allen, Victor Olazaba, Scott Hanna handle the inks, David Curiel on colors, Corey Petit with Ariana Mare on letters. So we saw last time that uh, Shift and Miles had defeated Quantum, and you know they're in this, uh, the assessor's kind of, headquarters if you will and the assessor you know travel around the marvel multiverse so his headquarters is actually this sort of grand central station for the multiverse with all these different doors that go to different multiverses and as miles is in there exploring he sees in one multiverse he sees his uncle aaron and so now he's obsessed with this idea that he can he can rescue him so that's what he and shift are uh, are about to to try and do um what I'll say, I can't say more than that because I don't want to spoil anything, but what I will say is this had a very different feel to it. Um, my, the Miles Morales Spider-Man book in the hands of Saladin and Men has been excellent, but it's also felt very grounded in reality. There's not too much zany stuff that goes on um, typically, and, and that sort of changes here uh, in this book. So... I, I don't know if I like that shift in tone because I really like what Saladin Ahmed has done so far, but I think you've got to keep challenging yourself and changing things up from time to time. So it's not the worst thing in the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm reserving judgment on this story arc to see if I'll in the end, if I'll like it or not. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, all right. First up for Jay from image comics, we have step by bloody step. It's uh, stories by Cy Spurrier. Art is by Matias Bergara. Colors are by Matthias Lopez. Graphic design by Emma Price. Uh, and Glyphology by Jim Campbell. Uh, now, this is just like the first issue. This is a book without any uh, dialogue. So it's all down to the sequential storytelling. So makes it a little more challenging for you to review, Jay, but what did you think? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, but like I said, there's no words. Uh, the artwork is beautiful. Um, you're pretty much following the story of the giant robot protecting the child. And as you read the book, you kind of tell from the last, the first issue that she was just a young kid, but now we're knowing she's growing up because, you know, you see that she's taller and she's more mature. They're obviously, uh, if you read, you know, they're being hunted down. There's uh, a lot going on in the story. There's a lot of violence. Uh, it's a very uh, dark world that they live in. It's very violent. Um, I had to, like, look at it kind of twice because you kind of, there's no worse. You got to kind of look at everything in the background and what's going on to kind of get the, the context of what's, what the story is trying to tell. We know that uh, from the first issue that her blood is special. We know that for a fact. I'm not giving any spoilers because if you see the first issue, they kind of show that. But what I like about this is we get more of the, I guess, who the ruling class is and the, uh, the, the, the poor class. They kind of show you the difference between the two worlds. And you also get to see a glimpse of uh, another character that we think that I think is important to the, the girl's uh, life and where her background's from. I can't really say too much of who she is, but it's kind of neat. But it's a fun book. I mean, like I, you have to actually... Like I said, there's no words. So you got to kind of decipher what's going on. They do have language, but it's nothing English at all. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is what's really interesting, interesting to me about this book. So I looked at the first one, but like you said, you have to pay like super close attention because there are no words. So I looked at the first one, but not in depth to where I, you know, could understand what was going on in the story. 
And so then when it came out again this week, I was like, oh, that's right. I never, I never went back and, and looked at the first issue to the point where I understood what was going on, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that before this comes out. And then I didn't. And it was like a little while before we needed to record. And I'm like, man, I, I don't have time to even look at this issue in like close enough to know what's going on, let alone go back and read the previous one, which is, you would think it would be the other way around, right? Like if a book has words, it will take longer, you would think, but it's actually the opposite is actually true. Uh, Cause you have to invest a little more of yourself to understand what's going on in the story. If there's, if there's no words. So yeah, I, I, I will be caught up before next week or <laughs> before next, uh, before the next issue. So uh, all right, let's see. My next book is Newburn number five. This is from uh, Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips. Oh, it's hard to talk about how great this book is without just like gushing over it. You know, um, if, you, if you're not familiar, it's this idea of this, this New York cop or New York ex-cop, I should say, who is like a private investigator for all the mob families of New York. So when the mob families have like crimes amongst themselves or within a single family, this is the guy they hire. And the New York police department looks the other way and sometimes even helps him out because for them, it's just, it makes sense, right? To keep the families from going to war with each other. Plus when Newburn does solve a crime, he can't take credit for it. So he gives the credit to the New York police department and he's a brilliant detective. So uh, there's, there's nothing out of the ordinary with this particular issue. Uh, it, it very much follows that crime noir feel that the book has had throughout. It does show the, the brilliance of Newburn once again, in terms of his tactical mind and the lengths he's willing to go. He's clearly very dedicated in, in his job. So uh, I can't say enough good things about it. The art by Jacob Phillips is fantastic. He's a very good storyteller um the tone of the book it's the way that phillips colors it uh it's a bit muted which you would expect from a crime noir book it's not dark or muddy but you know they're not exactly bright vibrant colors popping off the page so if you like you know movies like heat or chinatown you know stuff like that you really really dig this uh or if you're a fan of his father uh you know sean phillips he does that fantastic stuff with Ed Brubaker. Uh, this is kind of in that same vein. And, uh, you know, Chip Zdarsky, he writes such great emotional superhero stuff to see him do something different like this and do it extremely well is really cool to see. So really fantastic book. Uh, okay. Up next for Jay from Aftershock, My Date with Monsters. This is written by Paul Tobin. Andy McDonald is the artist. DJ Chavez does the colors. Taylor Esposito on letters. Uh, last issue, this seems like it's the last issue, or or it doesn't seem like it is the last issue of the first arc, because I'm sure hoping we get more, because it definitely is not the end of the story. Uh, what do you think of it, Jay? Oh, you're right. There's uh, It can't be the end. There's too much to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, there's not enough closure, I guess you would say. But it's great because we're back in the secret lab where Risa is, you know, with uh, Croak trying to fight the creatures because the chub... She invaded their their uh, their base. That's where she meets uh, Genka. I guess the guy that's the last survivor of the uh, these soldiers that were designed to go out and date uh, date her. <laughs> yeah, and you you always thought Chubb was a woman, right? No, I thought I thought Chubb like the. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's always yeah. always a girl, but it's actually a guy. I guess. Yeah, they yeah. they keep saying he, and I I always thought Chubb was a, throughout the whole entire series. I thought Chubb was a woman. Turns out it's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a demonic entity. So I don't even know if it really has a gender, but they call it he in the book. So yeah. Yeah, it was fooled, trippy. Fooled me. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the same thing. It's like, yeah, I kind of fooled on that one too. But there's a lot of uh, action in this book. Um, we also get like a dark secret of what the uh the mares are really and how they relate to humans in our the dream world. And you know, this it's a good little twist. I won't give it away, but it's a really good twist on how they, they explain what, what's going on and why they invade and what's going on in that aspect. 
she doesn't get like true love. I guess that's what she's trying to do is try to help out. But like I said, the ending doesn't really have any closure. Um, we know that the, the main, the guy that survived uh, Genka, I guess, was given something. But the very end's kind of funny because he's looking for that thing again that he threw away going, you know what? I think I really do want that. But it's a good series. I, I liked it. It was fun. Uh, I do want more. And I hope they bring it back again. So I'd like to see what, 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 kind of, what happens next in the storyline. Yeah, I imagine it's going to be like a lot of Aftershock titles. It's all going to come down to sales. So make sure you guys are picking this book up. I mean, I remember the first issue dropped how I was just blown away. I was so floored with what they were like, the idea of nightmares coming to life and, uh, you know, people that manifest people whose nightmares like become reality. If they could only be happy and stop having nightmares, then the world would be a better place. Like it just, it just it's just a fantastic idea. Um so yeah, I, I definitely hope that we get we get more. I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, okay, I have another image book up next. It's Rogue Son number two. It's from Ryan Parrott as the writer. Abel is the artist. Francesco Mortarino is the backup artist. Chris O'Halloran on colors. Becca Carey does letters. So the first issue was absolutely fantastic. For those that didn't uh, didn't pick it up. And obviously we didn't spoil it, but I can talk about the first issue now and kind of the basic premise of the book. So there's this kid named Dylan. His father was a superhero called Rogue Son. And Rogue Son dies within the first couple of pages of the of the first issue. And Dylan, who is Rogue Son, as I said, it's uh it's Rogue Son's son, uh, he he's very much a bully. Um, and he lives with his mom and she's a single parent. She's not with, she's not with rogue son. She's not with, uh, I think his name is it Marcus. I think it's what his name is. Um, but yeah, she's, she's not with him anymore. He, he had, he went and remarried, um, and had like a, a couple other kids and, and had like what seems like a, a much better life, I guess you'll say like he lived, they lived in a mansion, had all this money, all kinds of stuff like that. And so um, it's a surprise when the will is read because the family knows that he's a superhero, although the, the world at large doesn't uh, it's a, a very much a surprise to his two children that he, you know, lived with and was still married to the mother that he's picked to this, this estranged son who's a bully to everybody in high school to, to inherit his powers, to inherit the artifact that, that gives his powers. And then as if that's not crazy enough on the last page of the first issue, we see when Dylan uses the artifact to become rogue son, to go out and try to fight crime, his dad appears to him as kind of this like force ghost to borrow a term from star Wars. So it's a fantastic setup. Right. Like this whole idea of, you know, instead of Peter Parker getting the superpowers, what if it was Flash Thompson, you know, the bully that got the superpowers. So it's a very emotional story. There's a lot of um, familial complexity to it and relationship kind of drama and that sort of thing. Um, We've gotten, I would say, at least as much of that as we've gotten of, of action so far, but we have gotten plenty of action as well. And then there's some hints of some other bigger conspiracies going on. So, you know, this book does live in the same uh, universe, if you will, uh, as like Radiant Black and Inferno Girl Red. So, you know, we may see more crossovers down the road, but for now, I'm just happy to just focus on these characters, this family and, um, the cover for issue two is great because Dylan's in the rogue sun armor and he's like sitting in this chair and he's got um, his uh, half brother and half sister. And I guess it would be a stepmom like standing behind him. So it looks very much like a family portrait. So it really leans into the idea of the, of the family drama. So I definitely recommend it. Uh, okay. Speaking of radiant black, that's Jay's next book. From writer Kyle Higgins, the art is by Marcelo Costa, colors are by Raul Angula, letters by Becca Carey, editor and designer Michael Basudel. This was a pretty damn good issue. What do you think, Jay? 
Yeah, you're right. It uh, helps break down what what happened after his coma. So with uh, Nathan, because he's recovered, so he's got to deal with, you know, because um, life goes on. Even though you were, like, in the hospital, it's like, that's what I like about the writing. It's like, yeah, you're in a coma, but, you know, you still got bills. Life goes on. You got to take care of your your life. You got to still go on. And that's what I like about the family thing. They have the father talking to Nathan, trying to help him out, get himself set up. Um his friend uh, Marshall is doing uh, other things with the uh, with the suit, which I guess is okay. I guess if I, I guess in this day and age, I guess you would have to do that to market yourself. I guess I don't know, but it was interesting. Um, we'll also get more uh, looking into those. Uh, it was issues ago, but we saw that big old cargo of uh, armor that I get and weapons that were from I guess this other reality. So we kind of see what's going on with that uh, uh, storyline. And they come back to that where you got the bad guys using the stuff for, you know, for bad things. So that was really good. Um, the weird part, though, was like the very end is like um, when um, Marshall is doing the fight as Radiant Black, it's like, did he cross that line? Because, you know, I we know that, you know, the whole genre of heroes don't kill. So I don't know. So that's why I liked about that. So I, I guess we'll see where they go with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, again, kind of an emotional issue. A lot of, yeah, Marshall's having a tough, he's having a tough time, like tougher than I think that he expected, expected, you know, like when, when Nathan had the power, the radiant power at first, uh, you know, Marshall was kind of backseat driving and thinking, oh, you know, if I had it, I would do this and do that. And he thought everything would be so easy. And now that he has it, he's yes. finding out. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot more complicated than he thought and he's even trying to, to ask um ask nathan for advice so that's kind of kind of interesting the other thing that i thought was great was yeah with with what happens at the end of the issue um with marshall kind of cutting loose he looks like on that last page he looked very very different yeah so, the posture the posture is not the same as you not, not even the posture like even his costume he looks yeah yeah, so I guess we'll see what the fallout of that's going to be because, yeah, there are definitely going to be some consequences there. Uh, okay, up next for me from Marvel Dark Ages, number six. This is the end of the story. Writer is Tom Taylor, artist Eben Coelho, colors by Brian Raber, letters by Joe Sabino. This has been a really, really fun series all about, uh, you know, a, a, a Marvel universe or, or at least an Earth where there's a permanent electromagnetic pulse going on. Nobody has any electricity. Nobody can have any electricity. And uh, Apocalypse has figured out a way to sort of cheat the system. And he's, he's trying to take over the world, basically. And in, in this issue, his full plans are revealed. And it's even more horrific and sinister than you might have thought otherwise. So the heroes have to try to find a way to stop him. Uh, everything, the way it all plays out is really cool. Uh, heroes and even some villains working together to try to stop Apocalypse. But at the same time, it did feel like it It was just a little bit anticlimactic. I'm not saying it was easy for the heroes to win, but it does seem to happen relatively quickly. Like, And don't get me wrong, plenty of sacrifices along the way throughout this entire series. And one of the things I think Tom Taylor likes to do is shock people with the, the people uh, – uh, with the heroes that get killed, you know, shock readers with the, the, the people that he kills off in these type of events. But I don't know. It wasn't, again, I don't, I don't want to say it felt like convenient or whatever. It just, you know, maybe the ending just didn't feel quite as epic to me, but I think reading it all together, uh, it may land with a little more impact. And I think reading it all together, it'll make for a damn good story. So if you haven't read any of dark ages, definitely, uh, if you can pick up all the singles, pick up all the singles. If not, you definitely can wait for the trade. Um, and yeah, it'll be an enjoyable story for you. So, uh, all right. Speaking of Marvel, we have the final issue of this volume of Amazing Spider-Man number 93 next week, I think. Uh, I think it's still going weekly. Uh, but yeah, next week we get uh, a new number one, which is also issue 895. So, um, yeah, this wraps up the, the whole idea of uh, Ben Riley as uh, Spider-Man. 
I guess. I mean, there's some hints of, of things to come still. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. But this particular issue was written by Zeb Wells, Patrick Gleason is the artist, Brian Valenza on colors, and Joe Caramagna on, on letters. So uh, was it a satisfying end for you, Jay? What did you think? Well, like I said, then is kind of like, really but you know that's it you know but we do know it's gonna it was bound to happen i guess when you start seeing ben and the suit that you know ben and peter are gonna have a showdown and that's pretty much what you get in this um maxine is like the worst character ever i think in the series because you, you know she's bad she's evil but she even like manipulates uh poor ben and i guess a corporation so i'm sure we'll see her again down the road you know in some aspect um like i said uh, she gets those two to go at it um which is kind of cool because you know, one of the, the girls comes in to help out, which is you know kind of interesting because you figure it'd be the other one, but it wasn't. It was actually the I think she's more of a, a badass. I think the Mary Jane Janine. <laughs> she doesn't really. I mean, she's just a little more tougher. I think. Like I said, the battle was good. Uh, the ending though is kind of uh, kind of sad. It kind of the way it happens. Um, but I don't think that's the the end of that other character either. I think because uh, I guess we get uh, was like. A, uh, what do you call it? There, there's like extra stuff at the end where it shows that he's not gone. Um, we see that uh, Peter and Mary Jane are getting a lot closer now, but then they get interrupted with their little, like, uh, I guess their moment by, I guess, uh, a villain or a hero. We're not too sure yet, but it, I guess that leaves that for the, the last issue, I guess, in the series like you're talking about. I guess. So we'll see what happens on next, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly, because. What happens to Peter in this issue sort of happens to another character in another book that we're going to talk about. And it reminds me of sort of a classic event from back in the day. And we, we haven't heard that much about the next iteration of Spider-Man other than apparently it opens and Peter is like in the middle of this crater somewhere and like a big bomb has gone off and he's kind of all messed up. And we're told that Mary Jane is mad at him and not talking to him. Aunt May's mad at him, not talking to him. He's like Spider-Man's public enemy number one. And based on the way this issue ends, like what the hell? I I don't know. I, I don't know. I hope it's still good. I mean, Seb Wells is an, a writer whose work I enjoy. So hopefully it's all going to work out, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to expect. And the way this played out was a little predictable in the end but I still enjoyed it. And yeah, the way things go for that one character, I mean, better than they, it's better than some of the ways it could have gone is what I'll say about that. So I guess, yeah, we'll, yeah I guess we'll see where it goes with it, but yeah. it's interesting. I, like I said, I just want to give it away, but it's kind of interesting how the way they kind of wrap up, wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Up next, uh, I have another aftershock book. It's almost American. Issue number five wraps up the series from writer Ron Mars. Benji Lobel is the artist. Wancho does the colors. Russ Wooten on letters. This is from a story by Janusz Newman. It's based on a true story. Janusz and his wife, who were real Russian intelligence agents who eventually defected to the United States. And this has been their, their true story. And what's really interesting about it is if you're reading it, and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be like a typical comic story with like intrigue and whatnot uh, and a lot of action and, you know, spy story. This is not that. This is much more realistic. It's much more down to earth. But I, in a way, I was sort of expecting maybe they had fictionalized it a little bit uh, at the end or if there was some crazy event that, you know, sometimes life is stranger than fiction was going to go down. But instead, what happens in this issue is – it turns really emotional at the end and becomes this grounded story about real people, you know, and, and consequences and choices and um, the way government can affect your life. And it, it just, it's, it's a fascinating story. And it, it's part of why it's so compelling. I feel like is because it is a true story and it makes me want to, you know, talk to Janosh and, talk to his wife, Victoria, and, you know, kind of understand. I don't think anybody who hasn't been through this crazy ordeal like they've been through of defecting from another country and, you know, being promised all these things from the FBI and CIA and being really, uh, you know, used, you know, the two uh, 
intelligence agencies, FBI and CIA, were kind of using uh, Genosh and Victoria against the other agency and, you know, basically kind of fighting over them in a lot of ways. And then neither one of them ended up fulfilling the, the promises they made to these two. So, yeah, it ends up being this this grounded story that's much more about family and emotion than it is about some, you know, crazy James Bond story. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Like this last issue I thought was the best, the best issue left, uh, uh, best issue uh, of the series uh, because it was, it was so emotional and it just, it, it landed and it, and it pivoted the book in a way that I wasn't expecting. So I thought it was fantastic. Uh, okay. Another one of our favorites is Jay's next book. We're up to issue six of a righteous thirst for vengeance. This is from Rick Remender with art by Andre Lima Arujo and the colors are by Chris O'Halloran with, uh, let's see, letters by Russ Wooten. So uh, I, I feel like this is the issue with the most dialogue that we've gotten so far. So that was <laughs> yeah, kind of, I agree. Kind of interesting. <laughs> so what do you think? It was good. Um, we find out like from the last issue, if you read it, that uh, there was a big shootout. It was Sonny, uh, the son, the mother, and they're all pretty much shot up. And we weren't too sure that uh, the last character that caught him was going to help him or not. But in this one, we see there's more to the story. Uh, there's actually time has passed. because They tell you off the bat how long he's been like in hiding with uh, with his friend. So Sonny actually has been training with this man. Um, case of the, this, I guess the Things go south, I guess. But what I find so interesting is that everybody there is just kind of hiding down, you know, kind of living off the grid. And they're trying to tell Sonny, hey, don't you don't want to go back in there? And he's like, well, you know, I can have myself. But we also get a big reveal because the other guy knows exactly what he did in his real world, in the real world, which is kind of funny. You're like, really? That's what he did? That's how he got involved in this mess to begin with. And, you know, it, it pretty much shows how life goes every day in this little uh, little getaway, you know, and uh, we find out that the the mother uh, son has got, uh, you know, seeing what he saw, you know, he's, he hasn't spoken. There's a lot going on there with emotional. Um, Sonny's pretty much taking care of the kid and this whole thing. But the ending is like the worst part because we know that, you know, they're still looking for him, you know, that group. And we kind of see uh, surprise at the end. So I don't know what we're going to see what happens next, if it's going to get uh, more bloody or not. Because this one was not like bloody or anything like it has been. It's just been really tame and kind of showing how life can be off the grid, which I kind of liked. Yeah, it was really interesting to get more backstory on Sonny because like you said, it's like based on what we've seen of him in the story i would not have guessed that's what he did but it makes yeah. a lot of sense. when you find when you find out it makes complete sense um so i love that it's a it's a it's a great example of a writer using or not giving too much information keeping some things kind of mysterious and making it work um as opposed to like dc's been doing a lot of mystery stuff lately and it just it gets annoying because everybody in the story knows the truth except the reader and it feels forced. This this didn't feel forced at all. It felt like a very natural mystery. So I think it worked. Oh yeah, it's a great story. Great storytelling. So I give yeah. him, that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, up next for me, another Marvel book. It's Hulk number five. This is from writer Donnie Cates. Art is by Ryan Otley. Cliff Rathburn does the inks. Frank Martin on colors. Corey Petit on letters. Um, I'm not really digging the Hulk. Uh, like, you know, I talked about it at the beginning, this idea of the Hulk as a spacecraft, spaceship, starship Hulk or whatever. And he ends up going to another dimension where uh, a version of Bruce Banner who never became the Hulk is there. And um, General Thunderbolt Ross is the president. And he's uh, he's made all kinds of monsters and soldiers and with, with the gamma technology that Banner here invented. And it's big and it's bold and it's bloody but it's not, it's not Hulk. It doesn't feel like any, any sort of Hulk book I've ever read. And maybe that's a good thing for some people because maybe they haven't been a fan of Hulk and maybe they're just reading this book because, you know, they're fans of Donnie Cates. And if that's the case, great. I'm sure you're loving it. Cates definitely loves comics and he tells big, bold, over the top stories with, you know, giant monsters or cool ideas or whatever. 
So that's great if it's what you like, but it's not, it's not what I like. Um, that being said, it's the Hulk. So I'll probably at least finish this first arc because uh, the next issue does finish the, the arc. It says to be concluded. So I guess we'll see how it all, it all finishes up, but yeah, it's just, it's a little too out there for me. I, I really, it's been so long since we've just had like regular Bruce Banner Hulk on earth with banners in intellect or the old school savage Hulk, you know, being, you know, running around and helping people and, and being hunted. I would go for either one of those feeling of, of a more classic Hulk story. Um, but Marvel wants to do something different, so that's fine. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay, we've got Ghost Rider number two. This is from writer Benjamin Percy, Corey Smith with Brent Peebles on the art, Roberto Poggi, Warren Jr. and Brent Peebles on inks, Brian Villains on colors, and Travis Lanham on letters. What do you think of this? I was going to say real quick, uh, before I get into that, it's like, I love the Hulk and I don't like the series either. I mean, I knew we we're going to get, you know, Space Hulk, but it's yeah. not what, it's not what I like. It's There's, I, there's hardly I mean, any Hulk. There's hardly No, any there's no, no, it's more Banner. It's like, okay, yeah. I get it. But it's like, yeah, we've already covered that so many times. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, with the Ghost Rider, this is definitely not for kids. This series is absolutely gory, creepy, and bloody. So it's, if you like, it kind of reminds me of like uh, those horror books you like you know like ice cream man and whatnot because it's it is gory but it's it's fun though i mean we get johnny blaze back um we know that he was in the first issue was trapped like in a in a prison him and the ghost rider they were trying to separate him but now he's free um he's trying to get his bearings together because you know he doesn't know what's really going on and it's understandable you know he's got uh got a scar on his head he doesn't know what's really going on so he tries to stay at a, whole, at a motel in the storyline. Um, he's also being tracked by another character that I've never seen before. And we we're talking about it before. So I think it's a new character, but she's kind of creepy the way she can use her powers and tell what's going on with the person. So I don't know about that. She kind of like does the ghostwriter thing, <laughs> but it's not even your dark secret. It's just everything about you, which is weird. The hotel turns out to be, of course, uh, not a good hotel. <laughs> we find out in this that uh, since the Ghost Rider has been out of the picture for a while, other uh, entities have come into Earth to do what they want, thinking that the rain is over. But they're, they're surprised to see, you know, um, Ghost Rider's back. So we get a lot of vengeance in this one. And like I said, uh, he gets out of that thing, you know, like I said, with the hotel, which is kind of cool. I like that. But it's like, like I said, it's really bloody and gory, which was kind of like, wow, okay, this is kind of different for Ghost Rider. I'm not really used to that, but okay. But at the end, we see that the character shows up again, you know, kind of missing her opportunity to catch up with the Ghost Rider. So it's been, it's, it's intriguing. Uh, and I like Ghost Rider. I've always been a big fan since I was a kid. So I'm, I'm, I'm nice. it's nice to see Johnny back in the, with the, with the motorcycle. You know, yeah, I'm not a fan of the Robbie. I'm Robbie Rodriguez as a character is fine. Just right. call him something else. Don't call him Ghost Rider because if you're driving a car, you're not the Ghost Rider. Sorry, no, it's, has it's to gonna be, be, has, gonna has be two to be wheels. <laughs> yeah, has to be a motorcycle. But it's a fun read, so it's definitely worth picking up if you're a fan of uh, Ghost Rider or the old Johnny Blaze. But like I said, it's really dark, and it's not the the old Johnny Blaze anymore. Yeah, it, it feel and and see, this is the thing. Like as opposed to what we were just talking about with. The Hulk book where it feels like more banner than Hulk. And that's been done, you know, a ton of times. It hasn't been done that much with Ghost Rider where you get more Johnny Blaze than Ghost Rider. But so far in the series, we're getting more Johnny Blaze. We haven't hardly got any of, of Ghost Rider. We certainly haven't got any kind of inner thoughts or, you know, inner dialogue for Ghost Rider. We don't really know what he's about. And this is more focusing on Johnny Blaze and what he's dealing with. So, yeah, I'm I'm really digging it. Um, still, just uh, just like um, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, where there's big mysteries going on. There's there's a lot of mysteries in this too. We haven't gotten a lot of answers yet. So, um, but we're very very intriguing. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. Uh, all right, I'll let Jay go again. Uh, Captain Marvel, number thirty seven. Uh, which turned out to be a really, really fun issue. It's written by Kelly Thompson. Art is by Julius Ota. Colors by Ruth Redmond. Letters by Clayton Cowles. 
And I will say real quick before Jay gives us his thoughts on this issue. If you guys haven't gone and listened to my chat with Kelly from a couple of weeks ago, I highly encourage that. So what do you think of this, Jay? All I know is uh, she knows how to write the character really well. She, she's got her down. This was pretty uh, funny. I mean, because you know, you got the little bantering back and forth with, you know, the, when they're finding the creatures and whatnot. So you got Carol, Monica, and Binary pretty much doing a, a, a team up against uh, an old foe we saw before. And the jokes in there is pretty hilarious. Um, there was interesting because you read the book, you know, that uh, Binary doesn't really know because she's like a I guess like a child with superpowers because you know that how fragile humans are and um, how uh, life, you know, death on earth is like. So she's kind of being taught, you know, through uh, Carol and Monica, you know, that, you know, you can't do certain things, you know, everything is fragile, you know, and so she's learning as she's developing, you know, because she's got a lot of power, you know. What was interesting when they have the like the second time they get attacked in the story, it's like something happens to um, Carol, which is really rare. So I don't know that will play down the road of what happened to her, but it's fun because it pretty much comes like a girl's night out. You have all the other superhero you know, females in the, in the Marvel universe showing up that know Carol that uh, are trying to liven it up because she finally, you know, uh, binary finally sees the dark side of life. And so they want to cheer her up and they do that. Uh, the girl's night out. It's pretty funny. I guess there's a lot of banter back and forth. And I just said like that. She knows the character very well. It's like, it's her character, you know, more or less. You know, Captain Marvel is hers. And I, uh, I enjoy this book a lot. And we were saying earlier about the other book is like the very end, we see something happen. I'm like, okay, so are the two connected with the other book, we kind of see like, you know, uh, a disappearing acting. So it's like, okay, what's going on now? Yeah, this and Spider-Woman are my favorite two Marvel books. Um because the writers know they just nail the characters' voices so well, um, and so yeah, it's she, she Kelly Thompson definitely knows Carol inside and out. Doesn't she doesn't take herself too seriously? Well, sometimes she's kind of the straight man for all the other one one liners. But it's funny because the the um, the title of the issue is Road Trip, but there's also a B in parentheses in front of the word road, which would be broad, like broad trip, like it's a bunch of broads out. Yeah, and partying and whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it ends up being super fun. I love binary. I love the some of the scenes that we have here. Binary learning about yeah how fragile life is and whatnot. And it it really reminded me. I don't know if if you've ever seen the movie. Uh, it's called Starman. Oh yeah, it stars Jeff Jeff Bridges and um at one point I think like he hits a deer or something in the in the the, the car. I right. I think it's. Is it Deborah Winger that stars them? Anyway, uh, he brings a deer back to life, like with his with his powers. So that you know, he's and he's kind of an alien, and he's learning about life, just like Binary is trying to. So yeah, definitely got some some Starman vibes. So yeah, fantastic issue, fantastic series, love it. Can't wait for more Binary next issue. Uh, all right, my last book I'm going to talk about is Mortal X Men. Uh, still, sort of the fingerprints of Jonathan Hickman on this, but, you know, as you may or may not be aware of, Jonathan Hickman has moved on from Marvel. So this is actually written by Kieran Gillen. We have Lucas Wernock on art. David Curiel does the colors, Clayton Cowell on letters, Tom Muller on design. So most recently, Lucas Wernock did the Trial of Magneto. So he's still sticking in the X corner of the universe here. And this issue is narrated by Mr. Sinister. And we get a lot of context uh, and a lot of his thoughts and he's really puppet stringing some stuff. And in a way, I feel like he's punching above his weight class. Cause here's the thing about Mr. Sinister for all his plans and machinations and how brilliant a geneticist is. He really overestimates himself when it comes to like big plans and schemes and that sort of thing and often gets himself in trouble. But the cool thing about him is you can use his overconfidence and ego whatnot for for comedic uh, effect. And that's done here as well. Um, beyond that, what Kieran Gillen does really well is just uh, establish a feeling of scope and stakes. This feels like it, this is a big story uh, with big consequences, long reach in terms of affecting other books with what's going on. This feels like if you're only going to read one X-Men book, and kind of know what the future of the X universe is and to really follow uh, 
the breadcrumbs that Jonathan Hickman uh, laid out, this is the book you should be reading. So I thought it was fantastic. Lucas Wernock art, gorgeous. So, so are the colors. Um, I think for the foreseeable future, Mark Brooks is going to be doing the main covers. So, I mean, I'm going to be buying it for the Brooks covers, whether I was reading it or not. So it's definitely, it's definitely good. Uh, been waiting for it for a while and it did not disappoint. So, uh, and he's creepy, creepy panel. The last panel was creepy. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The last panel was way he's doing what? Yeah, (laughs) it was, it was fantastic. So, uh, all right. Last book for Jay. Unfortunately, the final issue of Spider-Woman, the series finale, issue number 21, written by Carla Pacheco. Art is by Pere Perez. Frank D'Armada on colors. Travis Lanham on letters. What'd you think? Well, like I said, it's the last book. So it's my book of the week because I really, really enjoyed the series. And it was just the same to see it go because the writer has this character down. Like you said, like we said about the last book, you know, Captain Marvel, this writer knows her voice he knows how she's supposed to be portrayed and it's just a shame that it's it's over but i guess it leaves on a high note because we get a big giant uh battle with the anti-iraqi nine and of course you know she does the little bantering back and forth with him but uh i mean crap there's so much going on i mean it's a lot of blood a lot of guts i mean it's just bloody i mean it's just a terrible like it's not terrible but it's just a humongous fight but some of the villains are just hilarious because, you know, they're just, it's, you know, she doesn't remember some of their names. She doesn't remember who this person is. And she's like, well, you got to forgive me. I got too many. I can't remember, remember all you guys, which is hilarious because she does have a lot of, of bad guys. But she does get kind of violent with some of them. I mean, she just gets a little sick of it. She gets some help at the end, but we even get, uh, it's just hilarious. Um, the one guy that we saw from a couple of years ago that I like, joined this group, you know, he uh, did something crazy with his uh his his vehicle so in this one he kind of does something else too it's kind of funny but it, it, it's it's just a way i guess the book should end i mean it was uh you know smash up grab and then that was pretty much it it's like all right now the little bit more jokes at the end and now we move on but uh it was a fun series i totally enjoyed the, the, the artwork the storyline but uh i guess i don't know if they'll bring it back or not or i guess we'll see i haven't heard anything about them doing another number one or no anything. i don't yeah i don't I don't think they're going to bring it back, unfortunately. And I don't, I don't know why. I mean, as far as I knew, it was selling relatively well. I don't understand canceling the, the book. I mean, only 21 issues. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's a sale. I, I got to think it must've been a sales decision. I mean, the book is so good. Uh, people were sleeping on it, but it's very unfortunate. Cause yeah, it's one of, one of my favorite books. Definitely read it. I would either read it. First, the moment that, you know that it came out, and I got my Marvel previews, or I would save it to last, you know, because it was the best. So I want to say, you know, kind of like eating your dessert. So, yeah, like I said, our work was just phenomenal, and just everything was great. And so it's just kind of a shame. Yeah, I hope they do mini series. I mean, I could be okay if they do like a four-ish mini series every every once in a while. I'd, I'd be okay. I'd be alright with that. Yeah, I mean, I want more Jessica, but here's the thing: like, if they bring it back, I don't think they'd bring it back with the same creative team. Yeah, that'd be kind so, of yeah, kind I mean, of sad. But based on what Carla Pacheco did with this character, like I, I will hundred percent pick up whatever. I don't care what character she writes next. It could be a character that I don't that I can't stand, and I definitely would check it out because I I have that much faith in her. So anyway, let's give a rundown on some other books you might want to be on lookout for. We talked about two of the three aftershock books. There's also Heathens Number Five, written by Cullen Bunn, that's dropping today. Uh, over at Boom Studios, Something is Killing Children returns with issue number 21 from writer James Tynan. Uh, at DC, again, you can go listen to those on our DC Spotlight. Aquaman number two, Batman Beyond the White Knight, number one of eight. Uh, DC versus Vampires, number six of 12. Batman One Dark Knight, number two of three. That's an oversized black label book. Sensational Wonder Woman special, number one which is a 999 book, but it, it's huge. It's 80 pages and it's got three different stories in it. Uh, we also have shadow war alpha number one, which was really, really good. And then uh, swamp thing number 11 of 16, which is uh, written by Ram V was also very, very good. And then finally war for earth three, number two, 
finishes up that event. And like I said earlier, that has its own uh, spotlight episode. So go listen to that if you are so inclined. From Image, in addition to the books we talked about, Astro City is returning with a special called That Was Then. It's a new number one, and it's supposed to be a good jumping on point, even if you've never read Astro City. So check that out if you want. Magic Order Volume 2 comes to a close with number six from Mark Miller. Uh, We also have, I guess that's it. Oh, no, Spawn. That's what it is. Spawn number 328 from Todd McFarlane, also out from Image Today. And then Marvel, in addition to the books that we talked about, we have Hulk Grand Design Monster, number one from Jim Rugg. Uh, Silk, number three, is also out today. Star Wars Bounty Hunters, number 21. And then a couple of other X-Men books, Excellent, number two. And X-Men Unlimited Latitude, number one, which I think was a a Marvel Unlimited book first. And then uh, they've collected it in print. Uh, And I think that's... Oh, Harbinger, number six from Valiant is also out today. Uh, Any other books you want to mention, Jay? I would say from a comic tribe, uh, there's a Happy Hill, number two, coming out. The first one, I just picked it up to see what it was about. It's actually really good. It's just the story concept is pretty good about a hotel, but in the backwoods, it's kind of haunted with a lot of mystery into it. It was actually pretty good. So number two comes out today. And uh, I'm going to say something for Killing the Children. It's a good point to jump on because it's a new story arc. It's going to start a new chapter in the story. So it's a good jumping on point for people that missed the, the first run and can't afford to get those first 20 issues. Oh yeah, it's something is killing children. For some reason, I was thinking it wasn't hadn't been gone that long. But I'm thinking House of Slaughter. That's what's been coming out lately, right? Yeah, yeah. And now something is killing children. Okay, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We appreciate you guys joining and listening. As always, quick reminder: if you're going to be at WonderCon this weekend, be sure you track me down at the show. Follow me on Twitter. I'll be posting uh, where I am from time to time. And if you track me down, I'm sure I. I'll have giveaways, uh, comics and lanyards and other things as well. So definitely track me down as a show. It's always great to meet listeners in person. So that's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.